Christ obtained his excellent name and power because he was God. Now we'll talk about that and more on today's program. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation every year. We're excited about that. And we have a lot going on today. So in about three minutes, we'll be talking about Hebrews chapter one, verses one through 12. We're gonna talk about that and more. And Corey, uh, you're doing something that's interesting. You are my host or my co-host today, as is Ryan and Janice. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling great. We've got a special guest today. It's going to be good. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Looking forward to our discussion. You too, Ryan? Absolutely. I am ready to go. I'm excited about it. Okay, very good. And Janice, you're going to join us as well. Absolutely. My guest today is Jim Catalan. Jim, how are you? Terrific. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit stressed <laughs> because... I'm surrounded by these worthies, and they're all going to want to ask me questions. And uh, I'll dig deep and try to come up with at least a modicum of wisdom. <laughs> all this and more coming up, so stay there. Hebrews 1, 1 through 12. God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. We continue in the month of December looking at the book of Hebrews. Now, the book of Hebrews was the most likely the last book accepted by the early church as sacred scripture. It was accepted in the late first century because its authorship is not known today. There are quite a few theories on who wrote it. Some of the most popular claims are Paul, 
and the polis. Though the style and the vocabulary are not a great match with the rest of Paul's letters, we know from those other letters that Paul sometimes used scribes to craft his words. Now, this opens the possibility of Pauline authorship. Nevertheless, Hebrews was written to people who were familiar with the Old Testament or the sacred Jewish scripture. The opening remarks of Hebrews acknowledges that Jesus as Christ or the Son of God is important. Now, Hebrews claims that though God had spoken in the past through prophets, he has now spoken to us by his Son. Now, this represents a large shift in thinking between the Old and the New Testaments. Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and prophets. This is absolutely shocking and stunning for the Jewish mind. But for us who are believers in Jesus Christ, who was a Jewish Lord, we praise God that we have been grafted in, according to Paul, as he wrote in Romans chapter 11. Very interesting, you know, as you focus on this and begin to learn how the Hebrews were taught. As we go forward, we need to get our Bible guides and turn it out to the page that we deal with today, Hebrews. It's the book. And we're going to talk about the Hebrews, the people. And this is a great time because let me just say that this program stands with the Israeli people. Uh, we love the Hebrews and they are in God's plan. And we trust the Lord to fulfill his perfect will. If you have a Bible guide, then turn to the page. If you don't, why not? You're going to need a Bible guide, especially now, as we are about halfway through or coming up to halfway through the month of December. And uh, if you're on the list, you'll get your January Bible guide. If not, then write to us and call us and we'll get it to you right away. But let's talk about this and pray about this. And Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us today learn from the book of Hebrews. We need to learn. We need to know your spirit. So right now we open up our minds and open up our hearts to hear from your Holy Spirit, not to reinforce our thinking, but to change our thinking. And so, Father, we need to understand what you're saying to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. You know, the book of Hebrews is one of my favorites. It is a great book. It says in verse one, this, it says, God, who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed, appointed heir of all things through whom he made the world's who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, this is absolutely fascinating and important. Christ has obtained the most excellent name and power from God the Father. When we follow Christ, we are following God our Father. Now, this is important, and a lot of people 
they have a hard time with this because they don't understand Jesus Christ and they don't understand that he's fully God. Now, Jesus Christ has always been. Remember John chapter one, we read it. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Who is the he? That's God. That's Jesus Christ. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. That's very important. So when we follow Jesus Christ, we are following God. And he has performed all of the rights and the privileges of fulfilling the law of God so that we, with his life in us, as we've confessed ourselves, when we follow him, we are righteous as well and holy, in fact. Very interesting. Well, let's go on because it's interesting. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And all the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now, this is absolutely stunning. Righteousness or rightness with God is a powerful scepter by which Jesus Christ will rule. Living right and being right here, or living right and being right are the strengths of God here. Now, we have to understand this. Jesus Christ says at the end of Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. That does not mean that it's manifest or made known right now at this time, but he expects us to follow him and to bring it about. However, the only time that can fully be expressed is when God comes back in full force. Now let's go on because we have to read this last part, 10 to 12. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but your remain, but you remain. And they will all grow like old garments, like a cloak. You will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same, God, you are the same. And your years will not fail. God does not get old. Let me tell you, God is eternal. This world and this universe are not. It's finite. We must focus on our eternal purpose, not just on what we get here and now. So many people have been focused on what they get here and now. I want what I want when I want it. But let, let me be clear. Our eternal purpose, what we're going to do for eternity is the most critical. And how we perform in our life now, how we serve God in our life now determines that. And so, beloved, I would encourage you on this day, I would encourage you to begin to focus your mind on what our eternal purpose is. And God will help us in this life prepare for that because he has provided this life to help us prepare for that. Very, very important. So, Father, in Jesus' name, 
help us to understand that we are eternal creatures. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. At Bible Discovery TV, we are involved with a group called Working for Orphans and Widows, which was founded back, I think, in 2020, something like that. And uh, it is an effort for uh, us to help people who are struggling in life. Now, the person who founded this is Jim Canelon, and uh, Jim is with us today. Jim, how are you? Terrific. Uh, you mentioned 2020. We started in 2000. In 2000. 2000. Okay. You, you got the two right. But I got the two right, <laughs> yeah, but I, my you're, mind you're, was You're doubling scaling. it up. Yeah. yeah. So we've been at it for almost... 23 years. Yeah, 23 years. We're going into our 24th year right now. And so you work in uh, South Africa, and you work in a place where there's a great deal of turmoil. Yeah, Southern Africa. South Africa, Zambia, and Malawi. Those those are the three... We, we have worked in Zimbabwe and also in Mozambique, and uh, then we did a bit of work for a few years up in East, uh, East um, Africa in Uganda. But um, our main focus these days is South Africa, Zambia, Malawi. How did this start? I mean, how does, how does somebody just come up with this plan? Well, I was pastoring a church in Vancouver, British Columbia, a Broadway church. Great church, 100 years old, you know, big established place. Um, very wealthy congregation, really, relatively speaking with this beautiful multi-million dollar building plopped down right in the poorest postal code in all of Canada, which is East Vancouver. And it's a bit of a shock when you just, when you hear that. East Vancouver, the poorest postal code in Canada? It is. Um, and about six blocks from my office, uh, Hastings and uh, uh, Maine, East Hastings and Maine, where the epicenter of uh, drug abuse, prostitution, uh, Aboriginal HIV and AIDS, is, is, is focused. And I began to walk around that neighborhood. I, I walked some of the alleyways, uh, saw mainly Aboriginal women who were in the sex trade, many of them, you know, sh uh, shooting something into their veins, uh, condoms and other detritus on, on, on the alleyways, uh, many of them looking like death. And I realized that the reason they looked like death was they were HIV positive and they were dying of AIDS. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time in my life, I began to research HIV and AIDS, and discovered to my astonishment that East Vancouver had the highest intravenous drug-related HIV and AIDS rate in the world, hmm. not just Canada, in the world. And then I discovered that the highest um, uh, per capita incidence or prevalence rate of HIV in terms of countries was in South Africa, in KwaZulu-Natal, which is a southeastern uh, province. And as it so happened, in the years when I was pastoring in Jerusalem, Israel, uh, I was invited to do a several speaking engagements in South Africa. And so I had a whole network there, mainly of emerging young pastors. And so I connected with them about the HIV and AIDS thing. And I'm telling you a very long story very quickly here. The upshot of it is that um, I was invited back to speak to some leadership there. In the process, 
uh, was gripped by the fact that we're looking at a, a nation at that point in time that was losing um, one in three people to, to AIDS, and most of them young adults, many of them young parents. And I, I, I realized that HIV and AIDS was the biggest um, uh, orphan and widowmaker in the history of mankind. And I was struck by, you know, David's words when he says, God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows in his holy habitation. And I, I thought, you know, here I am pastoring this, you know, upper middle income, you know, classy, wealthy church. Um, I need to do something with these orphans and widows. And the upshot of it is I resigned the church. And Kathy and I, for eight months, we lived out of suitcases. We, we had no income. We, we, and people asked me, well, what are you doing? I said, I really have no idea. I just know the Lord wants us to work with um, churches in sub-Saharan Africa. And it occurred to me, you know, that every church should become a Mother Teresa. Just like she ministered to the dying in Calcutta, the churches of Africa need to be ministering to the dying in, in their villages and in their urban centers and so on. And because there was so much... Um, um, stigma and discrimination tied to HIV and AIDS in those days. Uh, churches were avoiding them like the plague. Well, it was a plague. But unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the majority of the pastors that I encountered saw HIV and AIDS as God's judgment for sexual immorality. And so they stayed away from it. They stayed away from it. And, and they basically are saying to me, so, uh, a few of them actually did say this to me in, in Tanzania, in my very first pastor's conference. They're only getting what they deserve. Mm -hmm. Well, I just couldn't believe my ears. Yeah. And um, I, I had a, a bit of a, an epiphany. I had just done this conference with about 60 pastors in, in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And I'd heard this from their mouths. This is God's judgment. They're only getting what they deserve. And who are you, you know, uh, from North America? You don't know us. You don't understand our culture. You, you know, they went on and on and on, putting me down. I walked out of that meeting. The sun was just setting. In Africa, the sun, you know, it's, it's, it's there and it's not there. There's no real sunset like we have here. And I walked down to the edge of the Indian Ocean. The water was lapping up at my feet. And I'm looking across and I realize over there is India somewhere. And they're having just as much of an issue as Africa is. And I said, Lord, this is too big for me. I, I feel like you're asking me to sweep the ocean back with a broom. I, I'm not going to quit, but... Just to get going, I need a million dollars. And you, you all know what it's like when the Lord speaks to you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not audible. It's not the heavens shaking. He, he bears witness with your spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Jim, if I give you a million dollars, you'll forget me. So here's the deal. You do a million dollar job, I'll pay the bills. That was almost 25 years ago. And I can tell you, bear witness, in this almost quarter of a century, the Lord has paid all the bills in the multiple millions of dollars because we're dealing with tens and tens of thousands now of orphans and widows. And um, I, I've, I've realized, I knew this in principle, but I've realized in practice that money follows ministry. It does not precede it. The Lord does not front load and say, okay, here's a million bucks going to, no, no. He says, you depend on me and I'll depend on you. Don't worry about the money. I'm your heavenly father. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I have riches. You just go and do the job. And so um, we have been working this now for you know, 24 years. 
And um, you, you started in South Africa or southern I, part we, of Africa? We started. We started in, um, in in South Africa. Yeah, and 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 then. The word got out because I what I did is I would I would host pastors conferences where I would you know share my vision, and I would do three days um, basically centered around the biblical the prophetic call to righteousness and justice, and, and that, that that's a huge study. And that's a study that's primarily in the Old Testament. That's right, primarily the Old Testament. Uh, but it, it, the the playing out of it happens. In the yeah, yeah, exactly. And I. Um, you know, now over in Africa, they call me uh, Pastor Righteousness and Justice <laughs> or Pastor R&J for short. Uh, but I, I, I've been preaching this, you know, like a broken record now, uh, really since I started the ministry 53 years ago. Anyhow, um, I would, that first pastor's conference, I had 60 in, in Tanzania. I had as few as 12 uh, um, in Lusaka. Uh, then I had as many as 6,000 in uh, Kabwe, Zambia, actually three times as many as 6,000. Uh, and then chiefs and um, educators, um, influencers, you know, all listening with their mouths agape, sometimes their eyes wide to this biblical message of righteousness and justice and the care of orphans and widows. And they're hearing this for the very first time. They haven't heard it before. No, no, no. You know, and... Uh, I, I, keep, I keep saying to young pastors, just like you mentioned a moment ago, you cannot divorce the gospel from its Old Testament roots. You know from your studies, you go through the whole Bible every year, and you've been doing it for years. Um, it's, it's a story of salvation history. Uh, it culminates, of course, on the cross with the blood of the Lamb being shed for the sins of the world. But boy, there are literally millennia preceding that moment of time on Calvary. And the Lord established the principle that the author of the book of Hebrews establishes. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Now, your your wife, Kathy, is amazing. Yeah. And she's you, you've been married for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see Kathy with me, as many people do, and they figure, is she his daughter? <laughs> or maybe she's his third wife. He must be really rich. <laughs> Yeah, she, she, she's eternally young looking and, and she, she's a missionary's kid. And I, I, I got to tell you, we, we three times in our ministry, we have brought something up to a height, passed it on to others and gone down and started from scratch in a whole new ministry. I tell people I'm afflicted with downward mobility. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to hear an objection from Kath. Mm. Kath just empowers me. She encourages me. Plus, she has the gift of administration. I, I, I know someone else here has the gift of administration. <laughs> Without her, Rod, you'd be in jail. I, I would be. Yeah, I, I'd yeah, be yeah, yeah. totally gone. Yeah. And, and I, without Kathy, would be there in the cell next to you. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting how the Lord puts us together, you know. And she is as much of a minister as I am. You know, I'll, I'll be showing you some pictures over the next few days. But um, when we're there in, in Africa, we're there, God willing, twice a year. When we land on the ground, we go into these rural areas with these thousands of orphans and widows. They follow Kathy around like she's the Pied Piper. The children just love her. At one time, I saw her. She's walking along, and she had five kids in each hand, each holding onto one finger. You know, they're walking along. Like part of it is that she's beautiful, but another part is that she's white and she's blonde hair. They've never seen anybody like this. They think that she's an angel. You know, and I tell I tell them what she is. She's <laughs> definitely an angel, but they call her Mama Kathy. Me, they call Bombo, which means Grandpa. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you have also you have three children. I have three children. I got twelve grandchildren of my own. But uh, uh, in in a very real sense, I feel like we've got this massive family because that's how they see us. You know, father and mother, grandfather and grandmother, uh, in various you know far-reaching rural areas out in the dust and, and the realities of Africa, far from the urban centers, far from the reach of the internet. Uh, far from the reach of, I don't want to get philosophical here, but from the Enlightenment. You know, they, they, they're, they're not, you know, you, you guys all understand history. They're not enraptured with reason. Right. They, they come out of an animistic background. Right. For them, darkness is real. Mm -hmm. For them, Satan is real. For them, demons are an everyday reality. Uh, and and, and they, they have more superstition in their, if you will, belief system in the past than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so when they encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's like more, it's, it's not a rational decision they're making. Mm -hmm. It's a survival decision they're making. Mm -hmm. And they realize that Jesus will save me from the oppression of the witch doctor and the shaman and, and, and the, the death cult that, especially in, in, in Malawi, predominates the rural areas. There's a death cult there that is just scary, to say the least. And, and so in Jesus, they find uh, liberation, protection, freedom, and joy. You know, uh, they're in an ecosystem of poverty. And most of them will never break out of it. But within that ecosystem, with our ministry there, we're able to make sure that there are thousands and thousands of them who are getting medical care, who are being fed, who are being educated. Uh, who are being encouraged in the gospel, uh, who are attending churches, who are being pastored. Um, and so it's, it's like they're in a, a, a parallel universe that for them is dominated by the joy of the Lord. We'll talk more about this because you were also, uh, as part of this story, uh, you were in Israel for seven years. Yeah. And there's a lot going on in Israel right now. And we'll yeah. talk about that yeah. uh, again over the course of sure. the next uh, several days. But this is good. This is a missions outreach that we, of course, support. And so stay with us on the next couple of days as we talk to Jim. You know, Bible Discovery TV is our website. That's the place where you can watch this program each and every day. Some of you are probably watching the program from there. But Bible Discovery TV, Bible Discovery TV, go there. It's great reading and great watching and great listening. Go there and hear from the Lord. Today we pray, Father, help me to focus my eternal life, focus on my eternal purpose in life, and to get it right today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.